0: and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm/partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away.
1: Anna Sheridan missing for nearly 6 months now. That's not possible. Someone with a more vivid imagination might decide she'd pierced the veil. There's no place for ghost stories in this investigation, or any other.
2: I need you to find me.
1: The Sheridan Dips, a serialized horror mystery podcast. Stream the complete series today on Realm and on all podcasting platforms.
3: What a thrilling turn of events, listeners! Tanya confronted Marcy, her co-worker crush, and Bob turned her into a zombie kebab. They made it to the manager's office, only slightly bloodied. Did they find the answers they sought to escape the store and close Mark Club's portal to hell? Let's pick up the action as they try to barricade the room from errant gulites.
4: Ah, oh, we made it. The manager's office. Here. Get this desk chair under the doorknob. Yeah, like that.
2: Finally, another flashlight. This office is depressing.
3: Tanya was right. Management is depressing. No bigger than a prison cell, the office housed two filing cabinets and a desk piled high with paperwork and an ancient computer. Pushed up against the other three walls were some abused-looking tables with big chunks taken out of their sides. Dry erase boards coated in curly sticky notes lined the walls. Tanya picked up the phone next to the computer.
2: Still dead. Let's see if there's anything we can use for weapons. All
4: right, let's see. Huh? Mm-hmm. An empty stapler, used up dry erase markers, and a can of air freshener. In short, nothing useful.
2: We also got a small plastic package full of thumbtacks, pins, a cigarette lighter. Maybe we can make some sort of grenade out of these in the empty air freshener can. Do I look like a MacGyver to you? Well then, what's the plan? We can't stay in here forever.
1: Realm Presents Black Friday, starring Fred Armisen. Episode 7.
3: Greetings, Mark Club Guests! Do you like deep discounts? Then you'll love our new Cult Status Rewards Program. The more you spend, the faster you unlock premium rewards like Existential Dread, Feelings of Helplessness, and Sentient Corn. Become one with the worthy before you're condemned to eternal damnation this Black Friday. That's the Mark Club way. Bob feared the worst. Jeff wouldn't worry unless he was late coming home. Bob imagined Jeff making frantic calls to his cell phone, filling up the voicemail box. How long would he wait before he drove over to Mark Club? Another hour? Two? Three? What would happen once he arrived? Would Hookface and friends still be roaming about? Bob felt
4: sick. He couldn't let that happen, no matter what. Anyway, it's only a few more hours until the customers start lining up outside the store, and the morning crew should be here before then.
2: You're forgetting about the weather. With all that snow and ice on the ground, half the morning crew isn't going to show up. We might not have any customers coming to our rescue either.
4: No customers? (laughs) On Black Friday? Yeah, tell me another one.
3: They both knew that was even more unbelievable than the night they'd had. Maybe the weather really would slow down holiday shopping. One could only hope. Bob and Tanya strategized what to do next.
2: Do you really want customers in the store right now? Those weirdos will tear half of them apart and the other half will be too busy fighting over cookware to notice. Not to mention the green slime and how the displays aren't done. Someone's going to complain to corporate and that'll be the closest we'll get to a rescue
4: honestly it's probably not that far off from a normal black friday
2: there normally aren't any undead roaming the sales floor bob just let me think there must be a way out a procedure or something (sighs)
4: let's see Uh, hello
2: check this out it's a laptop
4: still useless bob but the light's blinking that means it has power we might not be able to connect to get a message out but there's got to be something useful hmm Whoever was using this didn't bother to log out or even close the browser window. Hmm, let's see, what does it say? Advancement Rituals for Retail Employees advises this ritual to be performed at home. Hey, Tanya, listen to this. With the right tools and a little magic, anyone can get the promotion they deserve, even those who've been passed over at work. Huh. For a small fee, you can purchase your very own sacred cube. Oh, and is this a chant?
2: Are you crazy? that won't summon some ancient demon or something.
4: No, look, it says right here, see? In the fine print, it says, this spell guaranteed not to summon ancient demons if performed correctly.
2: Never trust a product guarantee, Bob. If there's one thing I've learned in customer service, it's that guarantees are never transparent and that there are no returns without a receipt. Huh, this is a promotion spell. It mentions the sacred cube right here. Isn't that what Hookface was calling that foxy-boxy? That's what I just said. What if Richard tried to make one of those cubes? While he was down here, he, what, tried to DIY one using the foxy-boxy and screwed up?
4: You're right. But nothing unusual happened until after I discovered the cube in the basement. So maybe you caused this. (gasps) Me? I didn't look up this website. I want a promotion as much as the next guy, but It never would've even occurred to me to try black magic. I did accidentally cut myself. Bob. A little blood, like a drop, but Richard was already zombified. Maybe he did something else too.
2: (sighs) I guess it doesn't matter who's to blame, does it? We still have to get down to the basement, find the cube and destroy it somehow.
4: Yeah, and I lost the only decent weapon we had. You're right, Tanya. It is my fault. I'm a screw-up. I've always been a screw-up. At my last job, at home, and now here. I couldn't even build Santa's sleigh out of Coke boxes.
2: You're not a screw-up, Bob. Maybe you did unleash literal hell on Mart Club, cost us all our jobs, plus destroyed millions of dollars of merchandise, and maybe your last job was replaced by an app, and maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Uh, that's... that's not helping, is it? I'm sorry. I've never been much good at motivational speeches. Me neither. The point is, we all screw up. You know, I worked my ass off in high school. I knew getting into a good college was going to be hard. Especially to study medicine. My mom's broke. She can't afford to put me through college. But senior year... All my friends were ditching class and hanging out. I started caring more about dating this girl than making grades. I didn't make the cut for a scholarship, Bob. I could have been the first person in my family to go to college. Could have changed everything and gotten a good job taking care of my mom and my sisters. But I didn't. I screwed up and now I'm here.
4: Oh, Tanya, I'm sorry.
2: You think I gave up? Hell no. I had to find a different route, persevere. I decided to work until I'd saved up enough money to go to a community college. Or maybe go into nursing, who knows? You don't give up because you messed up, Bob. Mistakes aren't the end of the world. Well, most mistakes aren't. Anyway, my mom taught me as long as you learn from your mistake, apologize, and try to make things right, You're still doing the right thing. The world's going to work hard against you, baby, she'd say. But it can't keep you there. When you get knocked down, you get right back up. You let the rocks cry out before you ever give up. She's Old Testament with her speeches, my mom.
3: Bob considered what she'd said. It didn't just apply to the hellscape he allegedly unleashed on the Mar Club but to the rest of his life too.
4: You know, I spent so much time worrying about things not being right with Jeff that I hadn't even asked what was wrong. Maybe I was worried it would only lead to another fight, but ignoring the problem wasn't gonna make it go away and pretending like it wasn't there made it worse. You know what, you're right. I need to accept that I'm human and humans are just bundles of meat and mistakes.
2: Not exactly what I said, but close enough.
4: And I need to make a damn good effort to acknowledge and correct my mistakes. Starting with destroying that cube in the basement.
2: That's the spirit.
4: You know, I should really do this talking about my feeling stuff more often. It's not that bad. As long as it's with a
0: therapist and not me. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm.
3: Their hope rekindled, at least for now. Bob and Tanya went back to turning over papers. Maybe they'd get lucky and a spare flamethrower would be lying around. Stranger things had already happened. Bob couldn't help but wonder about Richard. Richard screwed up the cube and got turned into a corpse as a result. Yet Richard hadn't summoned those hell demons, had he? Those creatures claimed they'd come to judge humans. The Worthy were treated to ultimate suffering. Not really a prize in Bob's book, but to each their own. And the Unworthy got ripped apart by chains. Richard wasn't ripped apart, though, or turned like Marcy and Drew. Maybe the demons hadn't arrived to judge, until Bob's blood unlocked the cube. Ah, Jeez, I'm
4: freaking myself out. I'm not that special.
2: Uh, Bob, warn me next time. Uh, that
4: was it, me. I don't think we're alone anymore.
3: They stood in the stench, holding their noses as long as they dared. Bob ran out of air first and opened his mouth to gulp in more. Big mistake. The air had a flavor, like the vapors from a fry vat in a fast food fish joint on a hot August afternoon. He choked and doubled over, pulling his shirt over his mouth and nose. Tanya's eyes started to bulge from lack of air.
4: Don't breathe it in, Tanya!
3: Bob tried going to the floor, hoping that the smell would rise like smoke. No such luck. It was worse. Tanya finally caved.
2: Don't breathe it <laughs>
4: in, Tanya.
3: Their noses, tongues, and throats burned from the stench. Bob glanced at the locked and barricaded office door.
2: <laughs> Don't!
3: Every man's got his breaking point. Bob had reached his. Air! Dizzy, Bob stumbled into the hallway outside, coughing the last of the putrid burning odor out of his lungs her resolve weakened Tanya followed (laughs) little white lights danced in his vision from the lack of oxygen when Bob could finally draw a full breath he raised his head to look around what the hell gone was the familiar hallway stacked with pallets of dry goods to go to the sales floor instead They stumbled into a nightmarish version of the Mark Club, where body parts stood stacked, one upon another. That explained the awful stench at least. Forklifts made of bone and sinew stood a silent vigil over mass graves where the walk-in freezers once were. Live wires hung from a ceiling, shrouded in red smoke, sparking electric blue. Tanya used her hand on the doorframe as leverage to straighten
4: up.
2: And I thought working at Mart Club was hell before.
4: Oh, never thought I'd hear you say that, miss, by the book.
2: Screw the book and towing the corporate line. If we make it out of this alive, I'm quitting and going to medical school.
3: Chains shot out of the darkness and wrapped around Tanya, pinning her arms to her sides.
4: No! No! (laughs) Tanya!
3: The Undeadites arrived. Hookface lifted a fist, and the chain squeezed tight around Tanya. Hmm, this one may be worthy of our time.
2: Get out, Bob, while well, you still can.
3: Then she went limp in his grip. Bonehead stepped out from behind Hookface and hoisted Tanya onto her shoulder. Bob moved to run, but Windowlicker blocked his path. He reached out with icy fingers to lift Bob by the trachea. Destroy him. We will finish with her and reclaim the sacred cube. They walked out of sight toward the store exit. Windowlicker ran his tongue over his lips. Bob reached for his box cutter, but Window Licker struck Bob's wrist before he could push the blade past the safety
4: this is it no tearful goodbye no hands to hold and no hymns this is how i die choked to death by hellspawn no no way bob
3: his subconscious answered
4: you can't give up what about fixing things with jeff what about your daughter's college graduation future weddings and christmases and mowing the lawn on saturdays 55 is too young to die. You've got to fight back!
3: Bob's arms shook as he raised them toward Window Licker's face. Oblivion closed in. (laughs) Bob swung both feet forward to land a double kick to Window Licker's groin. (laughs) Oh! No matter who you are, getting kicked by a pair of size 13 steel-toed boots hurts!
4: I'm... Not going down, uh, that easy.
3: Bob grabbed the box cutter.
4: Uh, Gimme! Uh, 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 Bob uh,
3: rushed him, uh,
4: slashing, uh, cutting, uh,
3: ripping the jacket uh, edge uh, to flesh. Window threw his arms up, tried to grab him. Bob gave the old two fingers to the eyeballs, and he stumbled back.
4: Look at my fingers! Uh, uh,
2: hey!
3: Behind the gulite, in all its glory, stood the Mart Club Trash Compactor. The goat, capable of chewing through everything, from holiday ham bones to office furniture. All Bob had to do was get him into it, shut the door, and hit the big red button for the most satisfying trash run ever. Window straightened and swung his arms around, searching for him. Bob charged and tackled, slamming his back against the goat's chute. Yeah!
4: Yeah! Ah, you think you can out wrestle me? Yeah. Yeah. Joke's on you. I be the labradoodle.
3: Window Licker surged forward. Bob went down on his back, but he didn't stay there. Bob slashed him across the inside of the wrist, and the fiend grabbed his arm howling. Bob kicked Window Licker back toward the trash
2: chute.
3: You are too late. What is done cannot be undone!
4: You opened the way, and now your world belongs to us! <laughs> oh yeah? We'll see about that.
3: One good shove, and Windowlicker tumbled down the chute.
4: Uh, God.
3: Bob yanked the safety gate shut and slammed his paw on the big red compactor button. Oh. Windowlicker's feet hit the rolling blades first the goat cooperated without a hitch. The blade simultaneously tore his body apart and pulled the rest of him inward. Blood stained the dark green metallic sides of the trash chute and splashed on the bob. He pressed the button until every inch of the demon fed through the goat and into the giant dumpster on the other side.
4: Uh, uh, (laughs) Ah... Rest in pieces. Now to go save Tanya, destroy the cube, and get the hell out of here.
3: Bob put his box cutter back and turned away from the goat, only to spy an unopened box sticking out from under a discarded pallet. Whoa. He pushed the pallet aside with his foot and squatted to examine it.
4: (gasps) The Tom Turkey Carver 3000!
3: Gingerly, Bob lifted the package from where it had been foolishly discarded, letting it perch on the tips of his fingers like the priceless tool it was. How many late nights had Bob spent on the sofa watching the shopping network sing this electric carving knife's praises? He had wanted one ever since watching those infomercial ladies use it to cut a regular carving knife in half. They also cut through brick, through bone, through a whole boat. Unlike most kitchen carving knives, the Tom Turkey Carver 3000 was cordless. But Bob couldn't justify six easy payments of 19.99. Yet, here it was, tossed aside, a sign if ever there was one. He carefully opened the box, removed the plastic wrap, and affixed the double serrated blades. Whoa! Yeah! Wicked! Carving knife in hand, Bob retrieved Tanya's flashlight from where she'd dropped it next to the office door and ventured onto the sales floor. The hellish nightmare returned. Red sulfuric-smelling smoke settled on the ground, and plumes of fire crawled up the support beams. The merchandise was either rotten or covered in slime. There was no sign of the two remaining gulites as he made his way to the front of the store. Bob grabbed a few hand towels from housewares and cleaned some of the blood off, stuffing one in a pocket for later. Never know when you'll need a clean towel. The box of duct tape was still waiting near the basement door. Bob attached the flashlight to the top of his carving knife. For good measure, he taped his clothes down to his wrists, elbows, knees, and ankles too. No one would be biting him there, and the tape would provide a little extra support in case of a hand-to-hand fight.
2: Damn it! Get away from me!
4: Ah! Tanya, I'm coming!
3: Our singular retail hero peered down the stairs. Somewhere deep below, the cube waited. Hookface and Bonehead were searching for it already. He had to find it before they did, free Tanya and banish them. If the stars aligned and they were very lucky, that would be the end of this Mark Club sponsored trip to hell.
4: Yeah! Let's blow this popsicle stand.
1: (laughs) You're listening to Black Friday, starring Fred Armisen. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away.
5: Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new, or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery, following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world, in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favorite children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Rudolf Wine have been described as Umberto Eco meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.
1: Black Friday is executive produced by and stars Fred Armisen, written by E.A. Copen, and produced by Diana M. Foe, Fred Greenholz, and Haley Wagreich. Executive produced by Molly Barton. Performed by Fred Armisen, Brian Fairley, Tiana Camacha, Aaron Costagannis, Debbie Derryberry, Will Choi, Dwayne Hill, Alec Lawless, Alex Cazares, Jeff Shine, Chris Okawa, Margo Antonio Rodriguez, and Stephanie Shea. Voice direction by Fred Greenholz sound design by Rory O'Shea and Fred Greenhalgh. Audio editing by Corey Barton. Original music composition and orchestration by Hashem Asadolahi. With digital orchestration by Andrew Rowan and performances by Peter McCann, Andrew Washburn, April Guthrie, Harrison Kirk, Joey Lamb, and Hashem Asadolahi. Original cover art by Annie Wu.